Amen. Take your copy of God's Word, please. Turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to be looking at that same story that was sung about earlier by Tara singing, and then he's talking about it over here in the children's moment. We're going to talk about Lazarus being there in that tomb, Jesus coming on the scene four days late, but he was right on time all along. You know, friends, in life today, we know that, that God is in control, he is on his throne, and he, his plan is being carried out. I don't understand it, and a lot of times I think, how can this make sense? Uh, but God has got a perfect plan, and I'm glad to be a part of his plan. Here in John chapter 11, I want you, if you don't know this story, then read it. Read it for yourself because there's 44 verses here that I'm not going to read through all 44 of those verses. But I want you to make sure in John chapter 11 that you get the overarching picture. We'll talk about that picture, but I want you to make sure that if you have not read that, go home this afternoon. Read it. It's a wonderful story in John chapter 11. We're going to read just a few verses here, beginning with verse number 39. Verse number 39 in John 11 and verse number 39. John 11, 39. God's Word says this. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he has been dead four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of your word and let it not return into you void today. And let my mouth be what we all speak, what we need to hear. And let me say what you lead me to say and God, I pray that everything is bringing honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just set the stage. What a terrible stink must have come from the grave of Lazarus. He's been dead four days, and this is before the, the, the modern embalming processes that we have today. To set the stage, have you ever passed a dead animal on the highway? You've been driving down and you start trying to move your air conditioning and heater, trying to figure out how to get that stench out of your vehicle. You remember that smell. It's a smell that you can't forget. It's the smell of death. And it's an unforgettable smell. And today you've got to consider in those day and ages, whenever before embalming and everything, that quite possibly and most probably is what we are talking about. Martha said, don't move that stone. By now he stinks. Lazarus, a good friend of Jesus, was dead. Jesus was been, had been notified, come quick, Jesus, your friend is sick. He's about to die. Lazarus' sisters, had Mary and Martha, had sent word to Jesus to come on. But Jesus didn't get in a hurry. The news of Lazarus' sickness didn't hit him as any surprise. and It wasn't troublesome to him that Lazarus was going to die and be buried. 
he continued doing his teaching. And as you read John 11, you'll see that he continued teaching for two days. And, and, and he just kept going and doing what he had been called to do uh, there before he headed to Bethany, the home of Lazarus. Lazarus' name means assistance of God or God is my help. You know, I believe that name of Lazarus reminds us, friend, today we only live by the help of God. Friend, today we need to realize that there's no power on earth greater than the power of God and there's nothing that we can do without God's assistance. We can't do anything without God as individuals or as a whole. And then you look at the name of Bethany. Bethany, there were several definitions that I found. It means house of figs, house of song, house of affliction, house of misery. And when I read those, I started thinking, you know, I can identify. When I need God's assistance, I often start singing the blues. You ever done that? Where you just start singing, woe is me, agony on me. Gloom, despair, you just start singing and just in the blues yourself. We're crying out to God when we have afflictions. But it seems like in my life there's affliction at every turn. Everywhere I turn there's sickness, there's pain. Every time we come together, we, we talk about how there's sickness and pain and affliction, death, depression, there's discouragement. There's, there, there's just constant all around us. We're in a world of constant sorrow, aren't we? I believe Job got it right in Job 14. He said, man who is born of a woman is few days and full of trouble. That's the way I feel in my life sometimes, don't you? How many of you are, feel like you're living in a place of affliction right now? You don't have to raise your hand, just how many of you do? You live in a place of affliction, it feels like. How many of you live the day of your life without trouble at every turn, it feels like? Everywhere I turn, there's trouble in my life, I feel. Do you find yourself singing out to God because of all the afflictions going on? Has Satan caused this stench to rise in your life where you feel like just every part of my life is, is afflicted by this stench and my life just seems hopeless and it doesn't seem like there's a possibility of, of, of any answer to my prayers. You see today, look around you because we've all got our Bethany. We have all got our place of affliction. None of us is immune to the attacks of Satan. Satan is attacking you and he wants to bring you down, friend. The troubles and the trials of life, nothing would please him more than for you to start blaming God and the church. Have you noticed the attitude of Jesus and the affliction of Lazarus? You see, Jesus and Lazarus were buddies. They, they went way back. They were friends. But do you notice Jesus in John 11? He didn't seem to get burdened too much. He kept doing what he needed to do. Because I believe Jesus knew his power to speak resurrection was not limited by any circumstances. Jesus' power to speak resurrection is not limited by what you've got going on at work. 
by what you have got going on in your relationships at home or wherever. Jesus' power to speak resurrection is all-powerful and he can bring new life to that which you feel like is dead. See, friend, consider our seemingly to you and me in our life. We think it's hard. We think it's impossible. But our hard and impossible is nothing to God. God can do it. He is on his throne. God's power transcends all of our trouble. God's power, listen, isn't this one a good one? God's power is not limited by our faithlessness. God is on his throne. Jesus has resurrection power. Jesus can bring victory when we have not given up hope. But Jesus can also bring victory when we do give up hope. Ain't that cool? That's just Tennessee vernacular. That is good stuff. When it comes to our finances, the stink is beginning to rise, isn't it? When it comes to our health being almost completely gone, the doctor's given up on us. When we feel like, oh, I can't do it no more. When it seems that God has waited too long, he cannot bring resurrection again. We have drifted too far away. When the stink of our unbelief, the stench of our distrust, the, 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 the nastiness of our hopelessness is, begins to rise. But ladies and gentlemen, that's when Jesus comes on the scene and that's when he brings resurrection and he brings life to show forth his power because it's not mine, it's not yours, it's all him. Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts greater than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, by the way. Jesus finally gets there in Bethany, and his family, this family of Lazarus is about, has just really given up hope. If he had just showed up when we, if he had showed up when we asked him to, they were frustrated with him. They were buddies and, and, and their buddy hadn't come. They were aggravated at Jesus. He didn't show up the way they, they called him. And, and don't you know this is your buddy, your friend, Lazarus? Them other people are just the community. They don't matter. It's Jesus, it's Lazarus here that we're concerned about. When Jesus finally got there, Lazarus was dead. He was buried. He was in the grave. The grave was sealed And here comes Satan's greatest lie. He always whispers in our ear. It's over. (sighs) There's nothing God can do. There's nothing he will do now. It's over. Just go ahead. Give up on God. (laughs) Your church is in a mess. Give up. Your Christian life is in a mess. Give up. Run. Go find somewhere else. It's over. That's what Satan likes to lie to us and tell us. Because when we start believing that, that's when he's accomplished his goal, friend. 
That should be our first indication that God's not done with us. It's when Satan starts whispering in your ear that God is done. You know Satan's a liar, so you know it's got to be the opposite, so God is not done. Wow. The devil can't speak the truth. So we should realize that God's answer is still coming on its way in his time and in his own way. Keep trusting. Keep having faith because God is on the way. Perhaps your prayer life, you feel like, well, it's not ever being answered. We find ourselves in distress over our finances, our relationships, any number of things. It seems like God has just turned a deaf ear to us crying out to him, help us. We're here, God. Come on down. Help us, God. We're here. But you see, you hear the, the fallacy in that, in that type of prayer. We need to say, God, where are you at? We want to join you in your work. I'm here, but may, I must not be where you want me to be. I want to find you. See, that's what God wants us to do. Join him in his work. When we find ourselves in distress, we're in whatever manner of our own life. And you see that there's no visible way for anything to, for, for it to ever come to fruition, for you to ever be able to dig yourself out. When Satan has you so wrapped up in fear, he likes to do that to us. Wrap us up in fear and and start making us think that there's no way out. We couldn't claw our way out if we wanted to. When he's blinded your faith and, and he's bound up your hands and feet where you're not working for God no more and he's rolled a stone in in front of your unbelief across your heart's door and he's convinced you that your attitude and your your heart and your life he convinces you that God's just your, your life stinks and, and that's what Satan wants to do make you think your life is just a total wreck Satan tells you it's time to quit it's time to walk away he has shrouded you in a cloak of darkness. Your spiritual grave is, is being sealed by him. He wants you to believe your life is over. And then the sickness of sin starts to get in. Someone attacked by the sickness of sin. First thing to do is start that stinking thinking. I came up with that my own, on my own, Eddie. Stinking thinking. Stinking thinking is the, is the blame game. We all like the stinking thinking because we all fall into it periodically and then we get out of it. But the stinking thinking is the blame game. We blame everything on everybody else. And the sin in his life or her life or their mess, that's the stinking thinking. After the stinking thinking comes the excuse-itis. We start making excuses. Well, if I can't blame somebody else, then I'll just start making excuses. And the multitude of reasons why I can't or why I won't serve or why, why somebody else's or, or, you know, we just do all them excuses. And, you know, we start to say it's just hard and impossible to talk about the things of God anymore because all I'm doing is making excuses. And after that that stinking thinking and that excuse at us, we start to bury ourselves in our own life. Well, that's my family time. <laughs> I've got work I've got to do. I, I, I've got home life I've got to take care of. And it becomes, you see what's happening, this, this trend, the church no longer exists. It's like the church no longer exists for them. The stink of sin has made it easy in their lives and, and that stench of doubt and stench of just 
Trouble emulates from them and it's hard to stomach all their attitudes. They're dead. And Satan starts to roll that stone in front of the tomb, sealing their fate, he feels. Because you know what that stone, of, uh, that stone is? That stone of fear. Stone of I can't. The stone of there's no way. Because when the world says there's no way, God's going to make a way. You see, friends, we've got to trust him. We've got to start saying, you know, why does God allow us to go so far the wrong way? Why does it seem like our community and our world is just going the wrong direction for sure? It just seems like everywhere we turn and watch the news, just the sickness of the mess of the world. Why is Jesus allowing us to go so far? Why does he allow me to sink so deep in my trouble? And why is my attitude stinking so? And why is... Well, I believe Jesus wants us to know that it's not our power that can pull us out. The only way for us to get out of the mess we're in is to trust him. It's his time and in his manner. Jesus is here at the tomb of Lazarus. And he tells them, stand by, roll that stone away. Well, that raises another question with me. Why did he tell everybody else to roll the stone away? He's strong enough, isn't he? Yeah, he is strong enough. So why did Jesus tell others to roll that stone away? I believe it's to let us know this, friends. That heavy stone of unbelief, that heavy stone of doubt, that heavy stone of fear that, 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 that seals us in from, in our tomb of troubles, it's got to be removed by lifting our eyes to Jesus. It's got to be removed by us saying, yes, I believe that you can take care of this, so I'm going to roll this stone away, Jesus, so you can come in and take care. we got to believe in his power to lift us up out of the circumstances that we are in. God can not bless a heart of unbelief and if you are in this building and you don't believe that God can take care of you then he is not he can't bless you yet you've got to start having the faith and the belief that God can take care of it fear is doubt it's the opposite of belief we've got to believe we've got to trust God we got to look to him and then his powerful resurrection will come. Hebrews said, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading to fall away the living God. From the living God, friends, that heart that is unbelieving, that is doubtful, that is fearful, that is distrusting, that is disloyal, it, it has left the place of living in God's blessing and has entered into the death of sin, the death place of sin. We have got to get Back to trusting Jesus. The power of Almighty God is the only one who can bring deliverance. God is going to share his glory with no one. And we've got to recognize as we've sung this morning that Jesus, only Jesus, can bring the power of resurrection to our world. Lazarus is wrapped up and prepared for the grave like these young men were earlier. They're all wrapped up. And when, when a Christian loses focus, even as a Christian, we sometimes get wrapped up in our sin. Even as a Christian, we get wrapped up and we can't walk and we can't function the way that God wants us to function. Satan likes for you to be bound up in that sin. And he does everything he can to keep you bound up. Even when it falls off, Satan's there to help wrap you up again. He's going to keep wrapping you even when you... 
getting a little bit of it and falling off, then he keeps wrapping more and more. And that can just hold you back. But friend, listen. After you're wrapped up in that sin, the sin of death, and whenever you start to die, and whenever you do die, that rigor mortis sets in. The stiffening of your attitude sets in. And it becomes harder and harder to reach you. You can't feel anything anymore. You start to say the Spirit's not moving in the church. You start to make excuses. Friend, I'm here to tell you God's not changed. You are the reason that you feel it's dead in your life. God's still there. He's not moved. So we got to start unwrapping all those burial cloths off of us. After that rigor mortis sets in, the swelling and decaying of the body starts. You ever been around somebody just so frustrated and filled with anger and, and they always got a bad spirit and they, they draw away from many in the church. They, they walk when they walk in places they shouldn't be walking. Their spiritual life is decaying. We've got to make sure that's not part of us. God can speak resurrection power into your life. See, the bad news is any, any of us, any of us can find ourselves headed down this path. That's the bad news to the grave, spiritually thinking. But the good news is even when you've gone so far, sealed in your own sin, that's when Jesus can step in and God's resurrection power can come into anyone to bring life. I thank God for the power of his resurrection. David said in Psalm 139, what can separate me from the love of God? And then he lists a lot of stuff. He says, nothing can separate me from God's love. God's going to show up, friend. It may not be on your timetable. It may be at a time other than what you want. Because he wasn't on Mary's timetable either, or Martha's either. But he's going to show up when the time is right and it's perfect. He was four days late in answering the prayer of Martha and Mary. He was four days late in healing Lazarus. He was four days late for the hope of all of those standing there. We don't understand, Lord, why you waited so long. But isn't it great, even when he's four days late, he's still on time. Jesus was four days late, and for you, in your life, you may be saying, I can't go any further, but Jesus says, I'm going to be there right on time. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Deliverance and victory is yours for the claiming. When we believe in him, trust in him, look to him, have faith in him, he will always show up right on time. God knows what you're going through. God understands. He is there with you to walk through it with you. But won't you just have faith? Trust Him. Believe Him. Because His timing and His ways are perfect. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's your day of salvation, friend. Today is the day when Jesus wants to save your soul. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that He died on the cross for you. Confess Him as your Lord and your Savior. 
turn away from that wickedness, that sin that you've been doing. Christian, today's the day for you to get right, for you to rededicate yourself, to begin the, the process of revival in your life. Today's the day for you to say, you know, I've been bound by those grave cloths too long. I've been bound by, and you know what that grave, see, every one of us have that grave cloth that, that we're bound by, but you got to get that off of you. And yours is different than mine, mine's different than yours, and everybody in here has got different ones that bind us. But it's time to get rid of them. It's time for us to say, I'm tired of saying I can't. I'm, I'm ready to say, okay, let's do it. Whatever that is binding you, won't you come give it to Jesus today? If you need to become a Christian, let me tell you a little bit more. Or let somebody near you talk to you. Ask them. I guarantee you they would love to talk to you about Jesus. Whatever your need is here this morning, this altar is available for you. You just do the business with God that you need to do. I'm glad to be here for you as needed. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the time we've had. And I pray right now that everything we do right now would be in accordance with your plan. Let your will be accomplished. Let your son Jesus reign supreme. In his name I pray. Amen.